Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. 2021. <laughs> uh, other than the calendar changing hands, uh, ho- hopefully, you know, there's a lot more uh, in store change, good change. But uh, just to piggyback off that song, it's just it's just a trip when you when you think about it. Uh, you know, I have a maker. Uh, what what does that mean to you to know that you have a maker, a creator, someone who created you? Uh, when I was listening to that song, what it spoke to me was there's actually someone greater than me that took the time to craft me and make me, right? When you make something, how many people are creators in here that, you know, you like to make things, whether you like to bake, whether you like to build stuff, right? There's thought, there's time, there, there's, there's consideration that goes into the things that you bake, that you make, that you create. And, and to, to, to know and to truly believe and understand that we each all have a maker, a creator, the creator God, who actually took the time to form us in our mother's womb. I mean, that's, if you're feeling like you need to be loved today, just in that title of that song, just that first phrase, I have a maker, I just pray that you're, you just em- embrace that, right? That you have a maker. I mean, he, he loves you so much that he gave you this gift. Obviously, we know the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ that had to come in because of the fall of the world. But the fact that you and I get to live this life and experience uh, life as as this. I mean, we could have been a cockroach. Who wants to be a cockroach? That would have sucked. Who who wants to be an inchworm, right? They don't even have eyes. You know, cockroaches, you chop their heads off. They're still alive, living. Those things are creepy and nasty. I mean, I, I just have so many. I've had so many bad experiences with cockroaches. I'm so glad I'm not a cockroach in God's eyes, and despite what, uh, you know, Mr. Wonderful says, I'm not a cockroach, you know, uh, but I, I'm a child of God, amen, that's, that's so awesome. Well, this morning we'll be in Acts chapter 20, we'll actually be ending, uh, finishing up chapter 20 of the book of Acts. It was kind of a two-part series we started last week just because the, the sermon or, or, or the, the, the speech that Paul gave was pretty lengthy and, you know, uh, trying to do a, a good job of, of, of taking chunks at a time and not doing too much. So with that, um, if you can stand, we'll go ahead and be in Acts chapter 20. We'll be going through verses 25 down through 38. This is the last half of uh, the message that Paul was giving to the Ephesian church. And when you get there, I'll go ahead and read. We're Again, we're in Acts chapter 20, and we'll be in verses 25 down through 38, wrapping up uh, this chapter of the book of Acts this morning. Okay, and it says, And behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all for I did not shriek from declaring to you the whole counsel of God pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers take care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up 
and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the word the words of the Lord Jesus how he said how he himself said it is more blessed than to it is more blessed to give than to receive and we had, when he had said these things speaking of Paul he knelt down and prayed with them all and there was much weeping on the part of all they embraced Paul and kissed him being sorrowful most of all because of the words he had spoken that they would not see his face again and they accompanied him to the ship let's go ahead and pray heavenly father thank you again for just this day thank you that you've led us to this portion of scripture how important these guidelines are these warnings these principles to be aware of lord may we take this to heart may we see this fit in our day and age in the 21st century 2021 here at resilient life church May we apply these principles to our lives. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Once again, we're wrapping up the end of chapter 20 of the book of Acts. And um, it's been an amazing journey thus far. Uh, The twists and turns, not only in the scriptures that we've seen week to week, but just in life in general. Just what a year, right? What a year that we have all been through. And, uh... You know, the only thing that I can only thing I can say to that is the only reason why you and me are still standing here today and we have not passed on. We didn't pass on along with those who who passed in 2020 is because there's still a work that the Lord has left to do in our lives. And when that time comes, we're going to go ahead and join our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, You know, but until that time, uh, we're going to go. We're going to be down here and there's work to do. There's things to be accomplished for the Lord and what he would have for us to do. So I'm excited to see what this near future has in store one day at a time. Obviously, we take it one day at a time. Um, Last week, we began to start to break down this message that Paul had for the Ephesian elders of the church. The theme, humility, tears, and trials. This, This theme still continues on through this last portion of his message. And there's several main points that I'd like us to focus on this morning. The first one is this. Those who are led and step into the role of teacher, preacher, pastor, elder, whatever you want to call it, there's many different titles, those all should teach the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God, and be responsible for the flock that he has entrusted you with. We briefly touched on this last week, the importance of teaching the whole counsel of God, not 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 jots and tittles but the whole thing we shouldn't pick and choose what will be taught and 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 conveyed to the congregation the uh, the the reality is this some shy away from certain topics in the bible for different reasons the reality most of the time is they just are not aware of what the scriptures say uh if we're not prayed up if we haven't taken the time to, to delve into God's word and then we try to minister it to other people, it's like the blind leading the blind. You don't want to sit under somebody who's not steeped in the word of God. The reality is there's many things that still boggle me about the word of God. But what? We have a heavenly father like I talked about just a second ago. Like that song said, we have a maker. He knows our name. 
The Bible is clear. If you need wisdom, ask. He's going to reveal it to you, right? Many times, people don't want to talk about sin. There's many reasons why people don't want to talk about sin. But one of the most relevant ones, or one of the main reasons why people, pastors, don't want to talk about sin is because, one, they probably have some hidden sin in their own lives that they haven't addressed. And two, they're not being led by the Holy Spirit. They don't want to offend people because it's offensive to talk about, well, there's something in your heart that's not right. There's something in your makeup that's not right that nothing in this world can correct but the blood of Jesus Christ and call it what it is. They don't want to call it sin. Another thing is people don't want to talk about uh, certain you know t- scriptures in the Bible, certain texts. Uh, take the book of Revelation. A lot of times people don't even want to delve into that book simply because it's prophetic and there's certain things that we can't explain, but yet if we seek the Lord on these matters, He will reveal to us what these things are and we could share with confidence and in truth knowing that what we're conveying is the truth as the Lord has revealed to us. But we should always seek to teach the whole counsel of God and not pick and choose what we want to share. Pastors and elders are to be responsible for the flock that the Lord has entrusted them to. You see, many times, and, 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 and it's a worldly thing that has seeped into the church, but we do this whole thing of comparing, right? I guess it's, it's in our fallen nature that we compare. We want to compare. Well, you know, my church has this many congregants. And well, my church has this many. My church has a building. My church has three services a, a Sunday. Does that mean that a church is successful? Does that mean that a church is blessed in God's eyes because you hold three services? It's a double-edged sword because either way, there's churches that have three services a day that are really blessed by the Lord. And there's others that do the same thing and they're not at all blessed by the Lord. The Lord's outside knocking. It's like the church of Laodicea, right? He's about to spew them out of their mouth because they're neither hot nor cold. So the reality is be faithful and be true to the Lord and be faithful and care for those that he's entrusted you with. What's that age old saying? The grass is greener on the other side. I don't know why we adapt that thinking that, well, if I go to this other place, it's going to be better. Or if I get more people, why don't you work with the people that the Lord has put under your care? The Lord showed me this a long time ago and I was really convicted about it and I've never gone that way since. The reality is I'm, I'm good with the amount of people here. I'm not saying I don't want this part of the body to grow, but the Lord showed me very quickly, do you really want to be responsible for 500 or 1,000 souls that are under your teaching? Do you think you got it like that? And not, I don't want to think that I have an ego when I step into the pulpit, but the Lord quickly deflated whatever ego I thought I had with that. He just showed me, this is a lot right here. And as we'll get into the text, for a pastor or a preacher, we must understand Y'all's blood is on my hands. That's a, that's a very sobering thought. Paul said it himself. My hands are innocent. I, I have no blood on my hands because I have not shrieked back from teaching and preaching the whole counsel of God. It's very dangerous and scary when you get men, and nowadays even some women, who stand up in this pulpit and treat it like it's political. And treat it like it's an entertainment show. Or treat it like it's a popularity contest. Right? They're not coming into it with a heart that's geared towards, I want to see the betterment of people come to know the Lord for who the Lord is. They're pushing side agendas. They're pushing their own opinions. 
and uh, they will be dealt with accordingly one day. And so, again, this is just to say that if it's a call on you to preach and teach, you'll preach and teach. But the Bible's clear. Not many of you should be preachers and teachers. People that want to run to it. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a passion and a desire. If, if there's any pastor or preacher or teacher or elder who doesn't have a passion to teach, get out of the ministry. Do not do that ministry. Pick up chairs, clean toilets, don't preach and teach. The minute I don't have a passion to do this, I'm going to step down because I'm going to know that I'm, I'm of no, no longer use to anyone. There should be a passion to do it. But again, don't just go without understanding the full weight of what comes with it. And I think, unfortunately, in our day and age today, there are some that take this call very lightly or they don't, they're not even called, but they place themselves in this position, not knowing that only the Lord can put a man in a position of this. And it really is not a, a position to be glorified. Uh, again, if someone in a position like myself is not willing to pick up the trash and clean the toilets and all that, then they're not worthy of being in this position because this is not a position to be esteemed. All a pastor is, is supposed to be like a super servant. You're not even a super servant because that's glorifying that, but it should be someone who's very humble. Remember, Jesus, you know how nasty and dirty it was in their day and age, right? They didn't have Air Jordans. They didn't have those fly kicks that my brother's got on. He's always got some fly kicks. They didn't. They were barefoot, sandals, probably battered and tattered, right? They stepped on all kind of stuff. Dog do, cow poo, sheep poo, all that, right? Mixed in, toenails, nasty, gritty, you know? Um, they weren't getting those, those, those petties and those manis back then. Nobody wanted to do it. Our Lord and Savior steeped down, got a basin with water, Washed everyone's nasty, stinky, corn-filled feet. That's a servant. That's a pastor's life. That's an elder's life. If we're not taking upon the responsibility of that, we're not really pastoring. We're not really eldering. We're not really under-shepherding the church. Just wanted to paint that picture because that's the true, honest, biblical view of what an under-servant is. And that's what we need to remember when we look at these different men in these positions. Do their fruit bear that? Do we see these characteristics in them? Or are they the ones that they only want to shake hands with the people that sign the big checks and they're looking for grander things and they're, you know, it's below them to, to, to talk to someone who's not in, in, in you know, the ministry, right? Those clicky types. That's just so, I could imagine that's so sickening to the Lord and how he wants those men to change and repent and not be like that, right? Because that promotes an attitude. That turns people off from the church, right? When you have leadership that's clicky, it trickles down to the rest of the congregation, and the congregation is clicky. You're all, we're always going to have people that we like, but I'm talking about clicky where you're like, man, dude, like, I'm, not, I'm not cool enough to be with y'all. You guys can't include me. Like, that's, that's, it should never be that way. But unfortunately, we see that in some parts of the body. All right, let me get on to the next point. And that's this. Be aware... That Satan is always trying to destroy any church where the word of God is taught. Make no mistake, Satan is gunning for every single one of you right now today. I don't know what went on between the time that you got up in the morning and the time that you got here. But I would venture to say that some of you, it was a struggle to get here. It wasn't just hot hippity doodah, skippity scop. I jump in the shower, get my hair, my my teeth is fine. I'm, I got, you know, my pancakes and my eggs and my bacon just the way I wanted it. And everything worked out fine. 
it was probably some issues, some things came up. Or in your day-to-day life, when you leave here, remember, this is just the huddle-like football. This is where you get the game plan. But it's when you leave here, when you trickle out from these people and you get into your regular everyday routine, the reality of your life, that's when you're hitting the playing field. And Scott, I'm sorry about San Jose State, man. I was watching that game. I was watching that game and I was thinking about you, man. I was like, man, Ball State, I can't believe they just, they wrecked us. But anyways, there's always next year. (laughs) But it's when we hit the playing field, right? That's when, I love what J. J. Vernon McGee would always say, where the rubber meets the road. That's where the true test of what you learn here, you put into play there. And understand, you being a true Bible-believing, faithful follower of Jesus Christ, There is a target on your back. Satan will come. Many shapes, forms, sizes. He only plays the same amount of plays, same number of plays. But beware because he's gunning for you. Do not take it lightly. Do not think spiritual warfare is not real, especially for those of us in this country. I say it a lot. I I, I retract the statement that the church isn't being persecuted. It's being persecuted in different ways, very way more subtly than it may be persecuted in somewhere like Yemen. But it's the subtle, the subtleness, if that's a correct way of saying that, the subtlety, right? The way it's so like Disneyland, just sprinkle a little Mickey Mouse over it, a little Minnie Mouse, a little Goofy, a little Donald Duck. I don't know why I'm saying Disney, but make everything as it's so, oh, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, you, well, you really, you look at those Disney flicks, the cartoons, and, and there's a lot of satanic stuff in there that they try to manipulate the children with, and unbeknownst to them, they're being filled with all kind of, I will say it, crap. Why are you naming a cat Lucifer? Why? Why, why is all this weird stuff, and I'm not talking conspiracy theory, but, you know, we got to understand, Disney is a really big company. And there are really powerful people behind them. I, I, it, was, it was a shock to me. I was like, they own ESPN? What? They own ABC? you got to be kidding me. That's a, that's, a, that's a rabbit hole. I'm just saying. It, it comes. The satanic influence comes in so many shapes and sizes. And for us in North, in North America, very subtle. So we have to be aware. We have to have our spiritual antennas up to what we're allowing to speak into our lives. I'm not saying be this weirdo who just sits in a room all day and you know and 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 does some chants and all this stuff where the christian life is going to be boring and stale no i'm not saying that at all have your fun watch your football do your movies whatever i'm just saying be aware be aware of the satanic influences that are going to try to manipulate you and try to get you to drop your faith in christ all right the, not, the last main point of this morning is this. Remain diligent in helping others grow in the Lord. That's, that's a main call on all of our lives as believers in Christ. It's truly not enough that we get saved and now our lives are on a new tra- trajectory for the better, for the good. That we're, we're, We got our ticket to heaven and that's it. I'm, I'm good. I claimed it. <laughs> I claimed my, my get out of hell card and now I'm going to kick it. You know, remember, what was the guy? Remember that? <laughs> homie that had the barns he's like dude i'm filling up my barns i'm good i'm gonna kick it i'm chilling i mean i got everything laid out for me i don't have to work anymore 
I'm good. And what did what did the angel of the Lord say to him? You fool. <laughs> Today or tonight, uh, you know, your, your soul is required of you. You don't even get to live out all this that you spent so long building up. I worked so hard. The last 30, 40 years of my life, I've just tucked away. And I'm not saying be foolish with your money and just spend frivolously. I'm not saying that. But again, when you have the right spiritual maturity, you're going to be able to be diligent with your funds, but not put your faith in your money. Not put your faith in the CDs and your, and your 401k and all that. It's going to have its place. Or if you're into bouillon, because you're like, I'm not bouillon, but is it bouillon? The gold? I, don't know, I think I'm thinking, oh, I'm thinking, I'm saying like chicken broth. <laughs> I don't mean chicken broth, I mean gold, right? Because we know that all the paper money is just digits in the computer right we know that the money's worth absolutely nothing right the way that they print it off and the way rappers make it rain it ain't worth come on man you know but again you can have all that gold but have it in its rightful place don't let it lord over you what does the bible say it's not money it's just an inanimate object but it's the love it's the lust for it i gotta have it if i don't have it i'm not right it's just a, that's just a sad thing what did rockefeller say how much they someone asked him how much is enough and he said just a little bit more that's how it is when it comes to, to the things of this world, whatever it is. You know, some guys, they like pretty women. Well, all guys like pretty women. Let's keep it real. I'm not being belligerent in the pulpit. I'm just saying, have your one. <laughs> Once you get your wife, that's it. But see, what, it, what is it in, in men and women, right? They want more. Oh, this one's not enough. This one's getting old and gray and a little saggy, and, and I, I, I need something more. I'm not getting too graphic. I'm just saying, I'm keeping it real. And people step out of their marriage, commit adultery. Why? Because one wasn't enough. They weren't content. Meaning, get your focus on Christ and he'll show you where your contentment lies. Your your contentment should never lie in your spouse anyways. If you're looking to your husband or your wife to fulfill you, you've already lost. They're going to fail you. right? If Veronica was here, she'd say, yeah, Keegan fails me all the time. We're over it. It's not a big deal. Give him grace. I give her grace. Why? Because we're two sinners trying to get right. Don't look to a person to fulfill you. Don't look to a pastor to fulfill you. Don't look to the church to fulfill you. The church has its role. The pastor has its role. The wife and husband have their role. But it's only Christ himself, Jesus, that can ultimately fulfill you and give you the satisfaction that your soul's looking for, even if you're not aware that your soul's looking for it. All right. Let's start breaking down these verses. We're going back to uh, verses 25 and 27. And it says, And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shriek from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul knew how important this message was. Because this was the last time that he was going to see these men in his life. So he made it clear what was going on. He, he made it clear that he held back nothing about proclaiming the kingdom of God to them. Remember all that Paul did in, in Ephesus. He did a lot. In that city, God used him to work amazing miracles. Here are, here are a few. In Acts chapter 19, verse 11, it says that in Ephesus, the hands of Paul did unusual miracles unusual meaning they weren't common they weren't the common thing to see in acts chapter 19 verse 12 it says that in ephesus handkerchiefs or aprons remember those nasty smelly aprons nasty sweaty dirty greased up dead skin cells all kind 
They were healing people. They were healing people. Why? Not because the handkerchief, but because God's hand was upon Paul's life. He did a lot in that. Acts 19.15 says in uh, Ephesus, demonic spirits said they knew Paul in his ministry. So Paul did a lot, or he was used to do a lot, I should say. But it wasn't that Paul was tooting his own horn. He was saying, this is what I was used to do. I was used to do a lot of things, but at the core, I'm a follower of Christ and I'm a preacher of the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what he was trying to convey to the the elders in the church of Ephesus here. The application for us is this. Right off the bat, we see the significance of what one teaches and preaches, the reality of it, the, 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 the weight that's carried with what somebody teaches. To teach anything other than the redemptive work of the blood of Jesus Christ is false, and you should be aware of it. I don't care if you listen to, you know, what is it? Uh, gosh, why can't I think of it right now? Uh, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big Christian website where, you know, just so many pastors and preachers, whatever. It, it, it's a big hub where a lot of pastors teach. If anyone's teaching other than the redemptive work of Christ, don't listen to them. I don't care how famous they are. I don't care how much you like them because somebody could fall away at any point. We know that, you know, the Bible's clear that Satan's going to try to deceive the elect. But I'm saying if someone chooses to walk away, if you, if you come here one day and you're not hearing the redemptive blood of Christ being taught here, you need to go because it's not a church anymore. It's a, it's a den of Satan and it's trying to deceive you. An example, if you leave a church service and you've learned more about the pastor than about Jesus Christ, you have a big problem on your hands. You're going to have to count the cost and consider, should I stay under this teaching or should I not? You see, because people become enamored with influence, with an identity and with charisma, right? Uh, you know, oh, he's got such great character. I, I, I love his jokes and this and that. You need to be getting Jesus Christ out of the message. And I'm not saying that pastors should be doom and gloom and, and be no fun and be so vanilla and mundane. And it's not, I don't want to say entertaining, but they, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have character, right? You should. But if you're teaching and preaching more about yourself to the congregation rather than teaching about Jesus Christ... That's not good. That's very bad. It's not a good look. All right, next we see the emotion that's involved in this message to these elders of the church. Paul here showed great sadness, great compassion, and great courage. He had told them something that he had never told them before, that this would probably be the last time that they ever saw his face again. You got to think about this. It would have been a bombshell. For them to hear this because of the bonds that they had grown that they had forged in the time that they were together he was in Ephesus for two years and the ministry was so effective that in Acts chapter 19 verse 10 it says all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord both Jews and Greeks this was before the age of cell phone this was before the age of, of, of Instagram and Instacart and all everything all this social media this was just old-school old-fashioned word-of-mouth that's like y'all coming here and the whole Bay Area hearing about Jesus Christ never heard about him before. That's how great the move of that ministry was. So it was a super big deal. 
the amount of time that that kind of effective ministry builds, it builds great bonds of fellowship and friendship that last. Family is forged in that. Family in the body of Christ, right? These people didn't just, you know, two stoves, I'm out. No, they, 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 they literally bared one another's burdens. They wept with one another. They, they, you know, they took in everything that everyone was going through. They were very tight. They were close uh, kinsmen together in this spiritual battle. It was hard for them to believe that this was happening. Many of them maybe would have thought he was joking at first. Like, he's not leaving. Paul's not bouncing. How is he leaving? But they quickly understood that he wasn't. And they understood why he called them to walk 36 miles to come meet him for this meeting. The application for us is this. Y'all know we've experienced this firsthand as a church, right? When Pastor Nick left, it was a shock to everybody. Like, what? How you leaving? Dude, you, you, you planted this church. You bounce? You're bouncing? What's going on, man? But the reality is, this is a clear biblical example that these sort of things happen over time in any given part of the body. This is the reality. Not everybody stays till they die, folks. You know, sometimes people leave. Sometimes people are led and called to leave. And that's okay, Right? We have to come to a point where we, we come, and it's in the Lord's timing, where we come to understand it, and we're like, you know what? I got peace about it. It's all good. I ain't tripping. Because the Lord is going to provide. Remember, it's not Nick's church. It's not Keefing's church. It's not even Resilient Life cares about that name. That logo, you can scratch that logo off. It's, Jesus, it's the church of Jesus Christ, not Latter-day Saints, but it's the church of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus' church. Remember, the text says it was purchased with his blood. It's not mine. It's not yours either. We're just partakers in it. When we have that perspective correct, <laughs> I'm not saying we're cold about it, but it's like the door is always open. I've, 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 I've been so about that since the time that the Lord allowed me to come into this place. I've been crystal clear. It's a revolving door. I have no hard feelings for anyone that leaves. It's like, you know what? You've been a blessing the time you were here. God bless you on your way out. And you know what? The door is always open. You can always come back. That's the true church. It's not, ah, uh, ah, uh, never come back. Yeah, I can't stand you. What? <laughs> what? How is that the church? When did Jesus ever say, don't ever come back? Jesus said, dude, homegirl, quit sleeping with men that aren't your husband. Get up and sin no more. Right? That's what Jesus said. He doesn't, in, in, in the sense, when he came the first time, he didn't content, condemn, he came to save. So we shouldn't be condemning. I don't. I, I, I can't judge, I can't do a final judgment on a person's heart. It's not for me to say, don't ever come back. If anything, the Lord's trying to teach us, have compassion, have empathy, have understanding, realize that I'm moving and shaking things up. Shoot, Pastor Nick leaving compared to this can pandemic or plandemic, whatever you want to call it, is nothing. To me, I'm looking at this whole pandemic thing as like, this is the Lord shaking up the whole earth. Like, this is an altar call. Get right. Call sin what it is, repent, get right with me. You know, hopefully those that passed from this got right with the Lord before they passed. But I think for us, this is a, a reminder that this is a footstool, this whole land we live on. And whose footstool is it? It's God's. It's not mine. It's not yours. So right there relieves us of any kind of 
tension or anything that we have towards anything like that because you know it's not our responsibility. It can roll off your back. You can be okay with it. Not my responsibility. You got to go, go. You want to stay, stay. You know, it's the Lord's job, whatever is going to happen in that. In all this, getting back to our text, Paul, Paul's great love and concern for the leaders in the congregation in Ephesus was simply a reflection of Jesus Christ's great love and concern for them. Paul followed Jesus in every way he could since Jesus loved these believers as much as Paul did, or even more. It's fascinating when you look at this part of Paul's life, how much it mirrored the life of Jesus. Just a few examples real quick. Like Jesus, Paul traveled to Jerusalem with a group of his disciples. Just like Jesus, Paul was opposed by hostile Jews who plotted against him for his life. Just like Jesus, Paul made or received three consecutive predictions of his coming suffering in Jerusalem, including being handed over to the Gentiles. Just like Jesus, Paul declared his readiness to lay down his own life. Just like Jesus, he was determined to complete his ministry and not be deflected from it. Just like Jesus, Paul expressed his abandonment to the will of God alone. The application for us is this. Should we expect any different for us? Is a servant greater than his master? Clearly the answer is no. We should expect to know the fellowship of the Lord's sufferings and go through similar things. Maybe not in the manner, right? Because we're not in the Middle East. We're not where we don't have shoes on. We're not, you know, where we don't have the internet and technology. But we're going to go through things, right? The sooner we come to grips with that, man, the more liberating your Christian walk is going to be. You're going to be like, it's all good. It's part of the territory. It's part of what comes with being a Christian. It's not a bed of roses here, but it's not doom and gloom either, right? We know the end. We know where we're headed. You know, your soul can rest easy for eternity. Your soul can have joy and peace here beyond what anyone else goes. Again, doing this during this pandemic, we should be the happiest people. We should be the joyous people. If you're a Christian and you're down and out in the gutter because of this pandemic, there's an issue with what you're looking at. You're looking at this pandemic. You're not looking at Christ. You're looking at these mandates. You're looking at these restrictions. You're not looking at Christ. You're looking at, is this electoral vote going to work? Is it not going to work? Or is it whatever? Look at Christ. Focus on Christ. And you're not going to be moved by the things of the world and how they shift and toss. And, you know, just like, you know, the, the forecast. They said it was going to rain. That lady on Channel 2 swore it was going to rain. She was so happy. It's going to rain. I've been waiting for this storm, uh, you know, this storm thing to come through. And yes, yes, yes. And it didn't even rain. I was like, I told Christy, make a little flyer just in case we got to go on Zoom. I was like, I was so glad we didn't have to use it. I'm like, it's not going to rain till tomorrow. So, I mean, I'm not going to get stressed out over what this meteorologist is telling me is going to happen. Because it may not even come to fruition. Because it's the Lord who gives the rain. And not, what's her name, on KTVU. Praise God for that. Not speaking bad about it, I'm just saying. Not at the hands of a human, at the hands of the Lord. Okay. Paul could leave with a clear conscience because he knew that he taught the whole counsel of God. He had plenty of time to, to take them verse by verse through the books of the Hebrew Scriptures. They may have also studied the life of Jesus to some extent with his life being written about in the same time period. The application for that is this. Today, there should be more and more who will present the whole counsel of God. 
Paul later warned that in the last days, people would not endure sound doctrine. I believe we're living in those last days today. But would look for teachers who would tell them what they want to hear. Teachers who would scratch their itchy ears. That's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, right? Tell people what they want to hear. Don't tell them the truth. Pacify them so they're okay, so they're content, so they don't have to wiggle in their seats, so they don't have to feel conviction. We talked about this last week. If you sense conviction, that means you're blessed. See, we have it backwards, right? We think blessed means, dude, I just got a brand new, you know, whatever, a brand new Mercedes Benz and this and that, and my cupboard is full to the brim with food. I got so much food, I could give it away for weeks at a time. I'm blessed. Yes, that, that is partially true. But material things alone by themselves do not mean you are blessed by the hand of God. If you can't sense the true presence of Jesus Christ in your life and what really matters, then you're not blessed no matter how many things you have. I'm not saying having things is bad. It's not. But it's when those things have us, when they have a grip on your heart where you're like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Scrooge McDuck, right? <laughs> swimming in the <laughs> swimming in the money. It's like I-, I love my money. I love my money so much I can't give any away. Or, or the Christmas Carol, right? Oh boy, could not he? He didn't even want to give coal to the poor man who was trying to keep warm while he was doing the books. It's like you don't want to live like that. There's no freedom in that. You're bound to the things. They have a weight on you. They're, they're, they're pulling you down. We know that, uh, oh boy, the rich man, when Lazarus was right there. <laughs> Let me step over him. <laughs> I got no compassion for you. Get a job. Get up. Dude, you're a lazy bum. You put yourself there. And what happened? When he went and it was gone and his soul left his body, he was pleading. Please let me go back. Please let me tell my family members. Don't be like that. It's like, dude, you already had Moses. You had, you had him. If they don't listen to them, they're not going to listen to you. The reality is true. Do not let things control you. You control them. You have the power. You have the authority. The Lord said we have the authority over all these things in this earth. So no animal, no man-made thing should control us. But we should determine what place does this have in my life? What place does this have in my life? Only let the Lord sit on the throne of your heart. Amen? All right. Many preachers today, they use the Bible as a launching pad to say what they want to say and what people want to hear. Others will throw Bible quotes in to illustrate their points or to illustrate their stories. Yet the real calling of a preacher or a pastor is to simply let the Bible speak for itself and let the Bible declare its own power. It's the Word of God that's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Can you handle a two-edged sword? It's all blade. You're going to get cut either way. That's the Word of God. I don't need to add nothing to God's Word. All I got to do is share what the Lord showed me and you should get it. Because it's the word of God. It speaks for itself. That's the power of it. The power that over centuries of time, even with people trying to alter and and, and move things around, you you can't tamper with the word of God. The principle, the heart of the word of God is always going to reach the listener that's willing to allow it to speak into that individual's mind and heart and soul. 
It's only by those who are full of pride that will not bow an ear and a heart and a knee to Jesus Christ to the word of God that it will not get in. Because he's a gentleman. He's not going to huff and puff and blow your house down like an angry, ravenous wolf like we'll learn about in a minute. But he's a gentleman. He'll knock at the door of your heart. If you let him in, he's going to dine with you. And you'll be friends. He'll be your big brother. He'll be your savior. He'll be your Lord. He'll be your God. He'll be your everything. And you'll finally have that peace that you've been searching for all your life. Wasn't wrapped up in a man. Wasn't wrapped up in money. Wasn't wrapped up in success. Wasn't even wrapped up in getting out of this pandemic. (laughs) You know, because if we're just thinking, I just want to get out of this pandemic, then you've missed the whole point. If you're not walking with Jesus every minute through this thing, you've missed the whole point. What good is it to get out of this pandemic to what? Go back to how it used to be? We're never going back to the way it used to be, folks. I'm sorry to say it's just not happening. We're on a trajectory for the Lord to come back. And if that means something more crazy is going to come in 2021, you better buckle up your bootstraps and get ready because we're in for a ride and it's going to get hairy. I'm just telling it like it is. That's what it is. We can't be wishing for what's back then. We've already learned from it in Scripture. The Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt, right? I mean, I just laugh because it's funny because I, sometimes I find myself looking back and the Lord's like, don't do that. What happened to the lady that looked back? She turned into a pillar of salt. Don't look back. Don't look back. We're moving forward. All we got to do is move forward. We can't go back. We can't go back. Even the powers that be, the, gov- the government, the, what all the things they're doing right now, they're not going to allow us to go back. You know, they're not. There's just going to be all these weird regulations and different rules. I mean, that's just, it's not doom and gloom. I'm just, this the reality. Let's live in reality. Let's not live in some fantasy because I don't think anybody's going back to Disneyland the same way. That's just my two cents. But lastly, we, we, we see here a clear warning. Taking Paul's testimony at full strength, we must say, that those preachers who deliberately fail to declare the whole counsel of God are guilty of the blood of all men. The preacher who preaches what his audience wants to hear and not the whole counsel of God hurts both his audience and himself. And there's the great deception. For someone to sit up here and to say what they think is the truth without truly being led by the Lord and thinking it's okay, they're deceived. They're deceived themselves. They not only deceive people, but they deceive themselves. You are smart, you are smart, wise, sensible people. Continue to be like the Bereans and study this out for yourself. You don't have to take what I say for the truth. You go back and read the scriptures yourself. The Lord will reveal it to you. It's clear as day. You can rightfully divide the word of God. And then you'll be like, okay, I'll come back next week. Or you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go somewhere else because I don't really think what this dude is talking about is really biblical truth. Okay. Verses 28 and 30. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Take heed to yourselves. This, it all starts here. 
Take heed to yourselves. This is something not only to me, but to you as well. Do not overlook this instruction. This is like the whole plank in my eye, <laughs> speck in yours. Ugh! He's smoking a cigarette. He said he's a Christian. Dude, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to judge a man's salvation. First of all, because I can't judge his salvation. But I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, he's the worst Christian ever. But Hey, man, that's a personal conviction. Dude, you're giving yourself cancer. Just don't smoke that cigarette next to me so I don't get that sick-hand smoke, right? But, but, but it, it's again, it's like, what's going on in my life? Maybe I'm not smoking cigarettes. Maybe I'm doing something completely worse that's not even being seen by people, right? Simply take heed to yourselves. That's what he's talking about here. Pay attention to your own life. Ta- pay attention to your own walk with Jesus Christ. You have a high standard to fulfill. The standard isn't perfection, but nevertheless, it is high. You won't fulfill that high standard without paying attention to it if you don't take heed to yourselves. Right? This is why it's so critical. Not looking back, but self-reflection. Understanding. What did James say? Take a look into the mirror. Or the word of God is like a mirror. It's going to show you what's going on, right? That's why you read. That's why I read the scripture and I get so convicted and you get so convicted because you're like, man, I'm tore up. (laughs) I don't even I don't even measure up to this. Lord, you know, my heart, you know, the things that go on when nobody's looking. And Lord, I hate the sin in my heart. I want to be more like you. It's only the word of God that reveals that to you. But but see, in that instance, When you're feeling that conviction, when you're sensing, I just want to be better, Lord, help me be better, help me do better. That's taking heed to yourself. If you don't have those moments, if you're never like, man, I I can get cleaned up. I need to get cleaned up. I, I, I need to do better. If you never have that, you ain't taking heed to yourself. I'm just keeping it real. There should be those moments in your walk. I'm talking about alone with the Lord. Where you're having those moments where he's just like doing that, doing that work, doing that breaking, because he's building you back up. He's building you into that beautiful creation that he wanted for you long ago. And it's painful, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. It's so worth it to be broken by the Lord, only to be built back up to be better than you ever were. And that comes from you. And that, again, this is uh, humility is so tied into this, being willing to humble yourself. To see yourself for what you really are. Maybe you're not that way all the time, but in that moment you're that way. But you allow the Lord to speak into your heart, into your life. And he does a supernatural work. And guess what happens from that? All that flows out of you to someone else. And that person that you can't stand and that person that drives you up the wall, you're, wow, you're like, I'm compassionate. I can be compassionate towards you. I don't have to lord it over you. I don't have to... I don't have to be hurt and broken by the way you're acting because I know that I'm forgiven and I can forgive you. It's a beautiful thing when you really get to experience that, you know. I'm learning that a whole lot with my with my son, not my daughter. She's too young, but with my son. At five years old, you know, you get into some stuff, you know. And, and the Lord always tells me, the wrath of man will never produce the righteousness of God. And there's many times I got to go back to my son and say, you know what, Kalos, I apologize. I'm sorry, son. I, I was I was harsh with you and, and, and there were things that I wasn't doing right because I'm selfish and I'm trying to do my thing but I'm also trying to be a dad doing this thing and it's like 
you gotta know when to I gotta know when to turn it off and be like, dude, this is like I'm who cares about this computer, who cares about this phone, who cares about studying? I'm with you. Right? Because you could be next to somebody watching a movie and be totally checked out, and you're not hanging out. That's not quality time. Quality time is nothing is distracting me from you, and I'm you've got all my attention. Those things happen. That's just a little personal whatever but I'm, I'm just sharing that okay these words that Paul was sharing were very intense because remember he was leaving they were not going to see him again the words that he shared with them had weight it mattered the application is this the godly leader knows that effective leadership flows from a life not just knowledge if all it is is book knowledge, anybody could do this. It's not about that. You can know every verse front and back, know every address of every Bible verse and spit it out like wrote. But if it has not taken root in your life, in your heart, it means nothing. It's not about that. We're not robots. This isn't, this isn't school where I just, I just remember everything and then I just share it back and I get a letter grade. I remember Caesar used to always say that he's like, dude, I can't remember the verses. I'm not smart. He would always say I got a, a learning disability. I'm like, bro, I see the work that the Lord is doing in your life and in your heart. And homie, you're doing so much more than what you can see. It's not about that because again, you could recite these verses. It's not about that. It's about... How is your countenance? How is your life with your, with your, with your loved ones? How are, the, how are you revered by people? What is the real things going on in your heart? And I saw nothing but the Lord's hand on that man's life. That, that, that to me is a great example of what the scripture is talking about here where it's like, no, it's all about it flowing from your life, not just knowledge. We need to live out what we believe, teach and preach, but live to tr be truly effective and successful. And the next statement from Paul was equally as important. Take heed to all the flock. Pay attention to the people of God. Pay attention to the people of God. Do it because the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. The flock, it's an idea of sheep, shepherd of the church of God. It continues in that thought. He is telling them to be pastors, to shepherd the church of God, to serve their church congregants as faithful pastors. Shepherds don't only feed, they also lead. Under the guidance of the chief shepherd, who is Jesus Christ, we lead people, the people of God, where he wants them to be, where he wants them to go. You think of Moses, Joshua, Nehemiah, Daniel, just a few examples of servant leaders, those who are leading the flock of the Lord. And language here is very important, right? We, went, we touched on this earlier. I, I, I kind of honestly have that pet peeve of, I, I just don't like, when, when, I, don't like when, when I hear pastors say my church. I get what they're saying. Or I get when people say my church, right? But it's, it's like that whole thing about, are you going to church today? Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being fickle and I'm being technical, but it's like, are you really going to church or are you the church? Are you going to a church service? Right? Because the church is not a building. You make up the church. And it's not my church. It's not your church. It's not our church. It's, it's Jesus Christ's church, right? 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just fickle about it, but I, but I, but I love that idea of hearing the Lord's church. Going, to, I'm going to a church service. I don't like hearing my church because it puts it puts a light in people's eyes that I actually have some some stake in it. Like I've laid claim to to some value in this. Like I bring value to this. I don't bring value to it. I'm just a, a vessel willing to be used because He's redeemed my soul to do so. Right? Not that he's a master puppeteer, but sometimes we think, I mean, think about it. When you get to heaven, do you think you're really bringing something to, to heaven? Do you think you're really bringing value to God? Apart from the fact that God values you so much that he gave his only son for you, you don't, I don't bring value to him. He allows that value to be placed on us by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And when we understand that, our language changes. And we don't say I, I, I. Because when you hear someone say I a lot, there's a lot of I's in that. I, 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 I hope. I'm probably guilty of that myself. And I'm trying not to be like that. But it's not good when we're always talking about I. Jesus Christ is the one and only true shepherd. Again, we touched on it. He purchased us with his own blood. It's his church. It's, we're his belongings. We're valued by him. Our evaluation and value is measured by him, by his blood, not by what we deem to be valuable. Considering the greatness of the price, this calls leaders among God's people to be declared godly by his own blood. Next we see the next very important warning from Paul about savage wolves wanting to come into the church and destroy it. He knew that a pastor, a leader, and a leader among God's people has to do more than only feed and lead the sheep. He has to protect. He has to protect. God, uh, Paul, excuse me, doesn't say how he knew, only that he knew that this would happen, not sparing the flock. Speaking of these wolves, these wolves would be vicious, they would not hold back against the people of God, but take as many of them away as they possibly can. The application is this. We must take spiritual warfare very seriously. Satan will not stop until his time is up. He is going to kill, steal, and destroy until he is put into that pit finally and forever. That's just his natural bend. He's not going to let up on the gas, so to speak. He's going all out until the wheels fall off. He will deceive any and every person he can. The Bible is clear that he will deceive or he will try to deceive the elect if he can. Leaders, pastors, preachers, teachers, elders within the church must be very aware of the schemes of the enemy, not only in their personal lives, but in the life blood of the church teaching the full truth of God's word so that people can be built up and mature to be able to withstand the attacks from the enemy. That's how you protect the flock. You don't protect the flock by saying there is no sin. You don't protect the flock by calling adultery a fling. You don't, call, you don't protect the flock by saying, oh, you know, it's okay to do these other things. No, call it what it is. It is what it is. It's sin. Get right, repent, get convicted, get back up. And keep going. Grow in the Lord. That's how you protect the flock. Telling them the unadulterated truth. Not telling people, I got to go to some man behind a curtain 
tell them all my dirties, get some water splashed on me that's supposed to be holy, and all of a sudden I'm better. You don't, I don't know, I'm not trying to attack, I'm just saying, keep it real. We don't need all that. You just need to get right with the Lord, have somebody that's showing you the truth, and that's it. All the other stuff, we don't need... We don't need all this other stuff. And I know it can be offensive to some people because that's how they're raised. A lot of cultures, that's just what's put into the culture. But I know Lou talked about it the other day, not trying to bring it up, but we're not, we're not worshiping Mary. She was blessed to do what she was, she was, she, she was used to do, but we, we don't need a statue erected by her. Honestly, pictures of Jesus irk me. Because I don't care if you want to paint him blonde hair, blue eye. I don't care if you want to paint him with brown skin. It's all not right. It's not right. It's biblical to not have no pictures. When you got pictures of Jesus, that just doesn't... He's outside of space and time. He's not, he's not to be worshipped in a human form. Remember, he's the maker that took on human flesh. Why are we worship, trying to worship him in human form? I'm not saying that you guys do it. I'm just saying. I know my... Uh, one of my grandmothers, she'd always have a picture of Jesus up on the wall. And I never understood. I'm like, who's that guy? Who's that guy with long hair and got the little heart right there? And that's kind of this little glow to him. I, I get it. It's, art, it's, it, it, it's, it's uh, artistic and all that. But it can also send the wrong message. I mean, again, do you walk by faith and not by sight? If you do, then... I mean, I don't know. That's not <laughs> that again. That might be a personal thing, but I'm like, I don't really, I don't, I don't see the point of all that. The next warning is probably the hardest of all to swallow. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up. It's often easier for pastors to deal with wolves that come from the outside. Obviously, false teachers and. Uh, doctrine that's not correct but it's often the most difficult thing to deal with those who will rise up from among you and teach falsehood imagine how these men must have felt to hear this what <laughs> we're solid we're all elders of the church you're telling me that somebody amongst us or many amongst us are going to come up and start teaching false doctrine it would be hard to believe it was like the disciples with Jesus, remember? He said, one of you. They were like, is it me? Who is it, Lord? And he said, Judas, go do what you do. But it, 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 it's serious right there. Speaking perverse things. This is their method. They would twist what was good. And this is Satan's deal. This is what he does. He always perverts what is holy and set apart by God. That's his whole aim. You look at you look at the entertainment industry. You look at the movie industry. You look at all of these things, right, that are so readily available to us. Just If you watch football, just, just watch what goes on during the commercials today. You're going to see perversion. You're going to see it. Because that's Satan's ploy. He perverts. He perverts and he twists things. Things that are supposed to be wholesome. Oh, what is this? I was watching a bowl game yesterday. The commentator, I, I believe, because some of those ball players are Christians, he said, the first time I saw that Taco Bell commercial, y'all know what I'm talking about, that Cravings commercial. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's this new commercial. That thing is satanic. They're trying to scare it. He said, 
when I go to bed, I like to, I like to think of something nice so I can sleep well. He said, the first time I saw that commercial, I thought to myself, what in the world is this? It's like a freaking horror flick. And it's Taco Bell. Unabashful, unashamed, unadulterated. They're spreading perversion. Every time that comes on, I'm telling you, at my house, the guide goes on. I'm like, I can spot it now. At first, I was like, why does that dude look like he's trying to eat a Butterfinger, but he looks like he's a murderer? <laughs> what is going on? And it's just Taco Bell. They're, they're trying to sell freaking Taco Bell, but they're painting the picture of some psychotic psychopath being possessed by some demonic spirit. I know I'm not the only one over here thinking this is crazy. That, to me, just blew my mind. How do they do that with something so subtle as selling food? That's what I'm talking about, y'all. The spiritual warfare is real. And they are projecting this on those young children. That generation. Right? Unbeknownst to them, they're like, you know, that's why I'm like, no, son, you're not watching that. No, I'm putting on the mute button. You don't need to hear that. I can only protect. There you go. You know, you can only protect people for so long. But again, and see, this is the reality of the world that we live in where there is all of these things going on simultaneously at once. I guess the, the, the bottom line is pick your side, stand your ground for Christ. Be aware that these ravenous wolves, not only will they come in from the outside, like God knows what that was, somebody trying to do donuts over at the intersection, but they could possibly potentially even come in from within. So we have to be on guard. We have to be aware. Okay. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. This is basically Paul just saying, man, you know that I've put in the time. I love you guys. It shows through my sacrifice. It shows through what I've done for you, uh, you know, answering the calling to the Lord on my life and being a servant before you and for you. It was a long-term care. It was for three years. It was consistent care. It did not cease, right? It was day in, day out. It was a watchful care. He, he always tried to warn the flock. It was a universal care. It was for everyone. It was for Jew and Gentile alike. It was not just for one specific people group. Anybody under that umbrella, he was willing to share that love and that truth of who Christ was. It was a heartfelt care with tears. The application is this. We are to operate in the same way when it comes to caring for those of the household of faith. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm pleased to say that I see that here. I see that amongst you. you. You are emulating what is in the scripture, in the text. And that's a beautiful thing. That is something to uh, not pat yourselves on the back about, but to, be, to know that that's your measuring stick, right? You're measuring up well. You're measuring up correctly, right? If there's no standard, then that's what we get, all of this madness, because people are not using the standard of the Bible to live by. The standard, as Mike Tomlin, football coach from the Steelers, would say, the standard is the standard. Well, what's the standard? Be specific. The standard is the Bible. It's a biblical standard. Let Christ build you up so you can measure up to the standard as far as living a righteous and holy life in an ungodly world, and you're going to be okay. All right. He says in verses 32 to 35, And now I command you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. 
In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. He's basically just saying, I've been honest, I've been forthright, I've been transparent. I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this because this is a call upon my life. I've taken what I've needed to survive. Remember, Paul was a tent maker by trade. So he was not, uh, he didn't need the coin from the church, so to speak. He was simply fulfilling again his duty to the Lord and what he showed him to do. The application for us is this, when it comes to understanding the work of the Lord. Programs can't do it. The spirit of the age can't do it. Slick marketing can't do it. Entertainment can't do it. Only God and the word of his grace can build you up and give you the inheritance of heaven. And lastly, these last two verses, verses 36 through 38, it says, And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This reminds us that this was not just Paul preaching and teaching, but he was a friend. He was, this was family to him. And, and he was emotional about it. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't pleasing for him to walk away, but he knew that he was led by the Lord to move on to something else. And so he shared with them this, and they, they greatly accepted it and understood. And the, again, they part with prayer, tears, and a sending off party, believing that they would only meet again in eternity. When you think about us and the, the, the customs that we, we keep here in this church, we're, we're, we, we, we emulate this as well. When someone is leaving, we, we pray over them. We pray for them. We pray that the Lord would bless them, that he would guide them, that, that his hand would be upon them in whatever their next venture is to be when they depart. Given the strength of Paul's words and warnings to the church, it is fair to wonder how this Christian community in Ephesus fared after this, some 30 or 40 years later. Jesus sent a letter to the church in Ephesus, right? We know about this in Revelation 2. He complimented them on many things. Jesus told them that their hard work for the kingdom of God was good. He told them that their endurance through difficult times was good. That their dealing with those who are evil and with false apostles was good. To not give up when they were weary, he said they were good. Yet all of this... Jesus gave them a severe warning that they had left their first love. Unless things changed in a hurry, Jesus wouldn't even be present amongst them anymore. In closing, the application is this. This picture in the book of Revelation is a great illustration that shows that the devil doesn't care which side of the boat we fall out of just as long as we fall out of the boat into the water. For us today, may we never lose sight of our first love, Jesus Christ, and drift away. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for just uh, the impact of your word, how true it is to us, Lord, that we are sinners that have been saved and now we're saints, Lord. Thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for just the reminder, Lord, that 
we are not to drift away, Lord, that it's better to give than to receive, that we need to remember to look at ourselves first in our spiritual state before we go to help a brother or sister in Christ, Lord. Thank you that you, you show us, Lord, that there are going to be those that are going to try to come in from the outside and, and break apart your church. There may even be those that from within the church will rise up and try to destroy and desecrate your your church, Lord. But Jesus Christ is in full control. The blood of your son is over those who belong to him and we will not be shaken. We will not be moved. So we're just grateful for uh, you watching over us and protecting us. We thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.